Welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. This week I'm joined by Bill. Hey, how's it going? Forty. Hey, hey, hey. Ham. Howdy ho. And your host Hamish. Uh, so the last Para Podcast before we get into the thick of it with preview of round one next week. Uh, but let's jump through the reviews first. Some news, uh, big news actually, and then junior rep preview, and then on to our season predictions. So to start it all off in the junior reps round four for the. Um, more suburban, I'd say, teams. Uh, first of all, Harold Matthews, Parramatta, coming over uh, 32 to 10 victors over the Central Coast Roosters. Try scorers, Miles Martin, uh, Joshua Al Hazim, Al Hazim, yep, Terence Bentz, Monico de Estratus, and goals 4 to Argo. Um, did you guys get any reports from that? No, the um, I was out at. Um, Dom- Sorry, you're saying? No, I said I got nothing, yeah. <laughs> as usual. Um, yeah, this week was because um, it was an insane round. You had this game on the Central Coast. You had the ball playing in Victoria. You had the, the trials of Bega, and then you had uh, the flag at Penrith. So it was just an incredible like, – it's one of the worst logistical rounds I've ever seen the club have to deal with from the 16s up. Uh, so, yeah, this was a case of the, the Eels just taking care of business against the team that they should beat. Um, that was back-to-back weeks against the Roosters uh, once, against the Sydney Roosters once, against the Central Coast, obviously. And, uh, yeah, it's good to see him um, make a fuller start to the season so far. And Miles Martin, he seems to be a standout. He's been given some pretty good raps in the yeah, past weeks. Uh, excellent player. Ham had him earmarked as a – was it a 13-year-old Ham? Uh, no, I'm not, not that good. 14? Um, 14. Yeah, um, at, a, at an intra-trial for Parramatta, he, he spotted him at um, an early age and said that's a pretty handy player right there. And he's um, living up to the billing so far, um, being very good all around the park, hits um, very hard in defense, and has proven to be something of a try scorer as well. I think that's – how many weeks in a row is that on the try scorers? At least two. Uh, three three weeks in a row, four there you tries. Go. There you go. Um, yeah, he's um, – I wouldn't say he's like a barnstorming run in the red zone, but he finds a, a knack of running a good line and getting his arms free. So doing all right oh, there. He reminds me of one of my favorite players growing up, uh, Nathan Hindmarsh, revealing my age there. Um yeah, just around the ball all the time, whether it be an attack or defence, he's just just seems to be there. It's just it's yeah, it's a, it's a knack that he has. Well, we can chalk that up for another win. Then on to the SG ball, Parramatta Eels forty two over Victoria Thunderbolts twelve. Try scorers Peter Tateo with a brace, Tyrone Sow with a brace, Josh Chapel, Vlado Janovic. Um, that's an interesting name. I wonder where he. Hails from uh, Maximus Tupu, the last try scorer, and six from six off the boat, uh, boot for Josh Chapel. Um, he should be giving uh, old mate Jai Fielder a couple yeah. of lessons. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was a big win for the ball because this is a game that they blew last year against the um, the Thunderbolts down from south. So um, back-to-back weeks of Peter Tateo getting a double, which is fantastic to see. And this game actually had a – not the all there, as we spoke about before, but this game had a late positional switch, I think, with Tyrone Sauer moving from fullback to 5'8". To accommodate the return of Josh to a Pelotu. So that looks like it ignited the back line pretty nicely given that they scored 40 plus. Um, Ham, anything you take out of that scoreline? No, not really. Um, obviously, it's a game that they wanted to put away a team, you know, from Victoria. Considering the last two weeks, um, the Sharks and the Roosters are pretty top, top table teams, usually in the past, same with Parramatta. So um, I reckon this will give them a world of confidence going down there. Uh, sort of blowing a team off the park. I'm not sure how they played or anything. I think it'll just give them a little bit of confidence going into, um, you know, the rounds that they know that they can put on a performance yeah, like that. Yeah, they've shown that they've got the like, individual aspects to be a good team, but they just haven't put it together in the first three rounds of the competition. Um, and especially... Because, yeah, um, yeah, the forwards, you know, they handle themselves well. I think it's mainly the, the, the inexperienced halves, you know. Um, Kalachi, only 17, Josh Chappell... Only recently moving down from Queensland. That's right, yeah. Um, you know, Tyrone Sauer and just coming in there. So, so it just shows that they can put on those points when they need to and hopefully – because you've, you've seen, you know, even against the Roosters, we held the ball 70% or so. It was just trying to find points. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I hope that will give them the confidence yeah, to, I, you know, what, go on and beat and – cement themselves as a top six team in this competition. What you can hopefully mark down as a, a get right game where they get everything fixed up and get ready to take on the the heavyweights down the track. So yeah, good good win and gets them back on track. Yeah, well just on that uh, ladder positions, uh, two wins, two losses. 
uh, which sees them tied in seventh place. Um, noting that one through three are also on two wins, but have already had their bye. So um, if you're on two wins, uh, one through nine, you're pretty pretty comfortable at the moment. So mm-hmm. um, they've certainly got a chance to, to make a claim over the next couple of weeks. And I'm just going to quick chat, uh, quick look, sorry, let's see where we are. In that. And the Harold Matthews coming second at the moment with four wins, no losses. And the Bulldogs are up there with three wins, no losses, plus they've had the bye. Uh, so let's get on to the, the season. They went down 22 to 12. Uh, West Tigers getting the chocolates there. Try scorers, Demia Pritchard, Chelsea Austin, and Gwen Swan. Uh, so basically no luck off the boot, unfortunately. Uh, but fingers crossed for them next week they can get over the stripe. I mean, that's back to being third- a competitive game from at the very least. Yeah, exactly. Ten points in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just winner missing six points off the boot. So Then on to the Andrew Johns Cup. Uh, Parramatta Eels 20 to Newcastle Knights 20, so a draw there. Try scorers Cooper Sinclair, Blaze Talagi, Kobe Herford, Marbam Wichman, and goals to Cooper Sinclair and Blaze Talagi. I think those four try scorers are among their better talents as well, based on what I've heard in, in recent times. So good to see him getting the scoreboard there. Then in Laurie Daly Cup, uh, we got a bit of a touch up by the Newcastle Knights 42 to Parramatta Eels 18. Daniel Reedon, Lachlan Vale, Samuel Tutupu. Is that right? Tutupu? Tutupu. There we are. And then Joshua Russell, three off the boot. As I said, we couldn't get out there for those ones. No, it was an Um, absolutely manic round. And I didn't get to the stream because I think that coincided with our um, trial against Penrith. It clashed, I'm fairly certain, yeah. Did it? Yeah, the uh, the Laurie Daly one did. The Andrew Johns one was earlier. I watched that one, and um, early on, Newcastle were just dominating field position, but um, our boys scored early, and it was only sort of a last-minute try from the Knights to equal them up and um, draw there. So uh, unlucky, you know, and obviously it'll be a learning experience, but a lot of the boys are only 15 um, in that that team. So, um, yeah, they just need to stick to what does... Does uh, goes well for them uh, moving on. Then in the flag trial, uh, Parramatta getting a win 12-10 to 10 over Penrith. And Forty, you had something to say about this one? Yeah, um, last couple of years, Penrith have really touched us up in this trial, uh, regardless of how both teams have gone on to play in the regular season. So this was a, a nice little sort of watershed moment for the Eels to get that pre-season victory. Um, 12-10 you know, indicates a pretty tight game. I think we're up 12-0 at one point before an errant kick let Penrith back into the contest and they, you know, um, got right back into it. But uh, uh, from my understanding, uh, I think the uh, young centre, Tui Gerard, had a pretty good game and that's that's selling his name short, I think, because it's a little bit more complex than that, but I haven't got it right in front of me here. And I think the spine played pretty well alongside the front row, which is what we're pretty much going to expect come um, round one, given um, the, the players named in the front row or expect to be named in the front row alongside a young but talented spine. Then let's get into the Penrith trial. So it was streamed across all platforms on Channel 9 on Fox. I watch Channel 9 stream. Um, how about you guys? I watch Fox with 60s. Um, yeah, I was watching Fox. It was, it was pick your poison because it was Vossi um, on Fox and it was the, the nine crew otherwise. So it is what it is. Yes. Well, it was um, Gould talking up Penrith for the whole um, game, <laughs> which was yeah, a bit painful. Us, wasn't it? I don't know if he was shitting. He just said that we, we were playing flat, which I thought was probably true at some points. Uh, but we'll get into it in a sec. 22-all draw between Eels and Penrith. Uh, right on the uh, buzzer was a beautiful try from... Uh, I have to say, that he, you want to talk about risers and fallers. Mm. Stock has risen for um, old Johnny. Uh, yeah, Johnny Finoa. Fion delivers short. Niyakore's off London. And Parramatta have come up with a try. Young Fanua, I think it is. There you go. Brendan Hands had his moment for Penrith. And now a young fella by the name of John Fanua has his moment for Parramatta. In this preseason, um, hopefully he can get a, a spot in uh, Canterbury Cup because I think he's well and truly earned it off his trial form so far. Uh, but the try score is... Uh, brace to Mitch Moses, one to Stone on a on an error, and then a beautiful pass from Bertie, your man, Murata, 
the fall and the pop it up for Johnny right on the spot and uh, unfortunately missing that kick at the end. But no, it was not. Uh, I think it was a fitting end to that game um, given all the events surrounding it. Uh, and I have to just say, just off the top, regardless of the match, great effort from both teams uh, in all the surrounding events down there that week, um, really putting in. And five, uh, five million the reports were economy. five million. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Five million injected into the local area. And if you saw that interview with um, one of the local blokes there that had lost everything, um, yeah, it's terrible. Um, but really good to see the the good that rugby league's doing down there, um, especially on the back of. NRL's promo that came out today and the the hysteria surrounding that, but we'll get into that later. Um, what did you guys like about the trial? No injuries was a great start. I mean, and it caps off a really good preseason in that regard. Looking at the carnage that's going around the NRL this preseason, hot damn! So that was a you know a huge point. That was something that Brad Arthur really emphasised in the post game when he was um chatting to I don't know if Channel Nine did coverage, but Fox had a million interviews in the post game, and Brad was there and talking about that, uh, but. I like the fact that we um we got behind. We didn't like drop our load, which we we've do we do a lot when we get behind. You know, as a one of our issues as a mentally weak team, or trying to get over that mental weakness. And uh, Mitch Moses did a very good job of steering us back into the contest. And I think that the in general, I just I think between the twenties once again we were very strong. I think that Penrith, as good as they were in attack when they had the opportunities off our errors, they really couldn't force their way into the red zone. Um, we did a very good job defending in that regard. So that's encouraging. Um, and I've got a few other things, but I'll let Ham or Birdie jump in first. Now Moses, across straight there, yes! He has gone through revolving door there between Burns and Luai, and that little burst of speed has taken Moses over, just like it did for Nathan Cleary earlier. Yeah, he's got Moses, good, their fans, good. is hoping they can kick-start things. Moses! Moses! Kick, pick up, and shades of Phil Blake, 1983! Beautiful stuff from Mitchell Moses. Chip over the top. Regather. Let's see more of that in 2020, saying and crying out to Eels fans. Yeah, their the forward pack didn't really scare me. The only ones that I was worried about, obviously, was Cleary because he can run the ball well. And um, that Naden, just because of that size and speed uh, combination. Other than that, like we um, we just kept dropping the ball and we made it easy for them. And it's just we just... Got plenty of defense out of, um, out of the game, which is a positive. But um, I'm more happy this game as opposed to, right, um, to the Rabbitohs game. But um, yeah, just just stupid balls. We just we, we all know if you're going to give the opposition plenty of balls, uh, plenty of attack, um, they're going to score tries. And Panthers had their troubles last season um, in the red zones. And yeah, other than that, um, I wasn't really too much worried. I was actually just more worried about injuries. And, yeah, as uh, Forty says, uh, it's, it's amazing how we've come we've come away with this um, firing any injuries. But that, that's a credit, A, to being lucky, but B, to the conditioning staff led by Trent Elkin, I think. I mean, the lack of soft tissue injuries is you know, a reflection of their preparation for the players, so that's been a huge positive. Yeah, over the years, we've been smashed. We've, had, yeah. we've been unlucky. Like We've been cursed, and it's just um, hopefully it's turned around. Cam, your thoughts? Um, yeah, talk about positives first. I thought the, the heart shown by Mitchell Moses, I know he kicked out on the full. I thought he made more than made up for it with his um, two scintillating tries in that Josh Man. Oh, when he when he absolutely sunned Josh Mansour, yeah, that yeah. was um that was epic. That was, not only takes incredible um, heart and talent to get there, but also just shows that like a, a read of the game, like he knew that was where the ball was going to go, and that's where he needed to put himself in that position. Um. Other than that, though, I don't, yeah, the only positive was um, no injuries, really. I don't think either team really threw anything at attack. At I think it was you could just see we're going through the motions. And I, I mentioned it on Twitter. One positive, I think, in the game overall, I watched the Charity Shield a bit later on. and um, These you know, two teams looked the cut above the other two, didn't they? Yeah. Just... Yeah, but also, like, you know, middle of the game, it was just so many errors. Mm. And I'm just, you know, thinking about that a little bit deeper. And I just thought you know, our game was quick because, you know, it was obviously played earlier on. Um, and there was no third referee interference. Uh, there was no bunker. There was no uh, captain's challenge. So I think that actually helped um, oh, the way the ma- game was ma- Maybe played. not on that Fergo try. 
Oh. <laughs> I mean, it, the the bigger uh, the Fergo one was a little bit of a coin toss because he got he got pushed. It he did swipe at it before yeah, he got pushed. I think so. the more egregious one was the what led to the embarrassing moment for Will Smith when there was a, a very obvious knock on on the sideline, and that was missed by all the officials because of the the way the point of views were in relation to that run. So that was um that would be a case for the captain's challenge to be used in our game. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of iffy on that in general. Um, yeah, I think there, there are negatives in that game. I think uh, we touched on it before with Birdie talking about how they scored quite easily off the back of our errors. That's definitely an area of um, that we need to tidy up very quickly. I think there was a – I was looking at it for my um, my post-game blog and there was a little bit of uh, – you don't want to write off, write off those sort of uh, tries you went in, but there was a little bit of circumstantial stuff there as far as um, Reg and, um, and Salmon sort of doing the Newton's cradle to each other and bouncing off each other arm to let uh, let Cleary through. And then the second try, I think Janko had nothing else he could do but shoot up when they had that rapid-fast play the ball off the the insane guffo pass. So They just yeah. had four on, yeah. what was it, and, two pretty much Janko out there tried, after the, Janko tried the, to the make knock the, on. Janko tried to make the play by shooting out, which he had to do, so I wasn't too upset by that. Um, I think individual players-wise, you talked about John Fnew improving his stocks, and I think he did a very good job because he was playing left-centre that game. So he's um, showing a little bit of positional versatility in the senior grades. Uh, Murata had a very good game. He was very close to scoring on a number of occasions again, except for a couple of last-ditch tries. So that's a few games this year in the preseason where he's come up short by the barest of margins. And the other players that came off the top of my head that I think that really sort of benefited themselves or their their position in the team, I thought Hayes Dunster had another good game. The other player that I, I hope has now sort of locked in a spot in first grade based on his game today um, or game today, game on Saturday, it was Oregon Kafusi, who I thought ran the ball with a lot of impact. And he had one moment where he, he threw an offload after a 20-meter carry where the offload was probably a little bit uh, optimistic, but I think Dan Alvaro was calling for it. Calling for it. And then uh, the replay showed his elbow going the wrong way, and I'm like, oh, my God, he just snapped his arm in half. But it turns out it just popped out and back in. And he played the rest of the game and then made a, a, game-turning, turning cha- a game-turning tackle to force the ball loose which ultimately allowed uh, John Fanula to score. <laughs> I was just going to say, I thought it. Oh, <laughs> I was going okay. to say, I thought our starting prop rotation did really well. Mm. Uh, Regan Campbell Gerard once again getting held up, um, if not over the try line this week, close to the try line. Uh, Reed Marnie as crafty as ever, um, and he's working defence. Another, another try assist for him, two and two games now with the kicks. And the Stonefish. Um, the kick. Oh, no, Hollis has lost the ball. He hasn't forced it, and Parramatta with Ray Stone. Rocks are diamonds for Ray Stone. That's <laughs> waiting for it. He'll still take a lot of... I really think he should be the bench utility, but we'll just have to wait and see how things pan out. Um, but just on, um, you were talking about your your whiskey musings. I, I just want to read out, and, and you're missing out on this sort of... Uh, you know, poetry that's happening <laughs> on this site. Oh, God. So, talking about Moses, while the media were gushing about his stunning two-try effort in the post-mortem of the game, he stole the show in defence for mine. His newly earned status as too swell to control was perfectly <laughs> captured in a moment where he robbed Josh Mansell of physical agency near Parramatta's try line in a matter that a disgruntled father would effortlessly disable a child on a sugar high. It was a singularly awesome feat to fo- of focus and power and a cathartic endorsement of Mitchell's commitment to bettering himself over these last two years. Uh, so if you're not following uh, 40 on his whiskey musings, uh, you're missing out. <laughs> oh, jeez. And um, it sounds fun. I don't know if I want to say funny, but it, it's an interesting hearing it uh, uh, played back to you after typing it. <laughs> oh, and on that bombshell, I've made Ham quit the podcast. No, but um, I figured, um, Birdie, I sorry, you had something else to say. Um, so the second try that the Panthers scored off that era, I have no problem with it because if you see, it started with Fergo, and he tried to shift the ball to a cafe, and obviously he something that they. Probably trained. They've done it last. Yeah, we're the only team in the NRL that is so aggressive with the um the passes off the the kick returns. But we never we've never really done it on our goal line like we did on Saturday. It's like live by the sword, die by yeah. the sword. So <laughs> I don't mind because it, when it does work off, like you know, we're jumping up and down. So I'm not too fast. More like the errors are like um, probably pushing the offload in like when you're getting tackled, and mm-hmm. also. The one-on-one strips, like that one happened on Jenko, and I'm just like, surely they've worked out. They're not. They're not delayed. They've worked out 
teams are going to drop off and the easy going to, you know, one-on-one strips. So, yeah, you want to hope that our players are more awake to that once the season comes around proper. I agree, but yeah, that's a good call. Because, like, as it's just Panthers. Imagine when we versus Raiders. Yeah. Like, Josh Hodgson led the league. He, he had double what the rest of the Yeah, Hodgson and Whitehead are just terrifying at it. Yeah, so um, other than that, uh, and you touched on with the Oregon, like, you know, I was worried about his injury, but he stayed on the field. You can tell he had one arm for a while, and he's making tackles with one arm. You know, if, if it could have been easy for him to walk up there, like, you know what, this is a trial. I'm focused on myself. You know, I want to be healthy for M1, but he stayed out there, and that was um, positive just his attitude. Yeah, and um, the thing I want to touch on as well is I don't know why Will Smith was playing fullback. Like, he's. he's He's probably he's going to be a lot. He's a liability, to be honest. If we don't, if we're going into the season, off we're going to. The but if we're going to have to rely on him all year as being the backup fullback, and we don't look at, you know, mid-season market. You know, well, we're, we're pumping up Johnny Fenua's improving his stocks, but Will Smith had a, a rough error in the red zone when we were attacking, and then followed it up by getting his ankles shattered by some you know basketball come NRL uh, rugby league player that no one ever heard of. So. Yeah. It was not a, he's not a fullback, and Fanua, he's probably two, you know, a couple of years away. Field, you know, can you really rely on him? Like, if 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 Guffo goes down, like knock on wood, if anything happens to Guffo, and I see Will fullback, I'm thinking, yep, that's where the opposition can target, and that's we're going to be in for a whole, maybe tough session ahead. Maybe. Um, speaking of backup fullbacks, would Will Smith be the backup fullback, or would it be Blake Ferguson? And then you move either. Yeah, I, I assume Fergo would be the Mario default. Hayes Dunster. Mm. I assume oh, Fergo is the default NRL uh, reserve fullback. But as far as the the CC team goes, I would like to see them potentially consider Johnny Fanua in a more permanent basis there. And to finish it off, one positive, one negative. I'll start with the negative. Um, make a Sevo. Just get up and play the ball, son. Oh. Um, I'm, I, I understand what you're doing, and he got he did get away with one milk. That was a penalty, but it doesn't make up for the other five or six where you're just slowing everything down. Um, yeah, and the crushers, come on. You're not getting crushed in every single tackle. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. He, he gets – like, it's the same with Semi. When they run hard and they look to get a quick play of the ball, they get penalties. And he gets – like, he gets penalties because he runs hard and looks to get a quick play of the ball, not when he looks to get a – a crusher tackle against him. So, yeah, someone needs to get into his ear and say, you know, stop that, stop that, unless it's definite and it actually hurts. Don't do it anymore. And then to finish off on the positive, you were wrapping Oregon Kafusi for playing on, uh, but Dill Brown uh, got mm. absolutely cleaned in half and then off the scrum took a hit up took as a 5'8". Yeah. Um, you love to see that from Dill. He didn't yeah. have his best outing, but um, if he's going to be running the ball and he's going to be taking hit-ups after he gets smashed... Um, Nothing wrong with that. He was um, joking about oh. it in the post game as well. I think they um, they got him up for an interview and he talked about how Wari rattled his ribs pretty good. Yeah, he's known to be cut in half. I think he got um, was it uh, Tafua folded him in half last year. I yeah. think that made the highlights real. He's, um, he's a tough little bugger though, was Dill. So um, I wasn't surprised at all when he bounced back up. He was he was in obvious discomfort, and then from the scrum, like you said, he took the hit up, which I don't think would have been lost on his teammates. So he did he did all right. Um, he had a, a drop ball later on, which was unfortunate. But I, I did like that they took Moses off for 10 minutes before Dill came off and gave him a chance to be the dominant ball player. And I think he actually looked pretty good running the ball. Yeah, he really did. There was I thought he was actually going to score at one point. When there was a couple, the, couple of times where he re- really threatened, yeah. Yeah, so it just goes to show, you know, as good as Mitch will be, I think he's in for a fantastic year. If we've got Dill in there, that's – Pretty decent backup half there. Mm-hmm. That was Dylan's first outing, right? Preseason. Yeah, he hasn't played in any other game, so there was a fair bit of rust there, and you could see that um, as far as you know him taking on the, the line early on, and then once he got into a groove early in that second half, he looked much more like the Dylan that we're used to. I know we're yeah, going to give our preseason prediction later on, but looking forward this year, I want to see his kicking game. I want. I actually want to see his like his long kicking. Game, if that makes sense. take a bit of pressure off Moses. The only thing is my fantasy team doesn't want to see that happening. <laughs> you got Mitch Moses? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so you're looking for him to be um, monopolizing all the 40-20s and the try assists from kicks? Or just the long kicking game because you have points for kicking. Oh, and and Supercoach, given last yeah, year, yeah, he um, pretty much did all the, the yeah. kicking. I, I think the Eels will probably diversify a little bit there. I think Reed will probably step up to the plate as the third option. I wouldn't even be you know ruling out Gufferson as another kicking option given that we've got Joey, you know, 
working with the entire spine. But I think Moses will be the primary kicker by some margin, followed by Dill, and then the other two, you know, as like real third and fourth, like way back options. Okay, well, I think that'll wrap that up there. Um, we'll jump into the news. Starting off just before the podcast, uh, we went to to record um, Parramatta Eels. They're in sync with us at the moment. Uh, Drop the news that Sean Lane has agreed to terms for a three-year deal with Parramatta Eels, which will see him play in the blue and gold until the end of the 2023 season. Uh, He commenced his uh, time at Parramatta in 2019 after it was a year at the Dogs in his breakout year, then a year in the wilderness at the Warriors, and then he sort of cemented a first-grade spot over at Manly before coming over here. Now, Eel CEO Jim Sarantinos said, today's signing was a welcome boost to the club heading into round one. Quote, Sean has been great for the club since joining us in 2019. We're really pleased that he has decided to commit to the club for the long term, close quote. Um, Fox reports are it's three years, 1.3 million, which is roughly 433,000 a season, uh, which I think is pretty... Um, reasonable. Mm, I'm not complaining. I think that's very good. That means we got our two edge back rolls on very reasonable contracts. And, you know, Madison's going to be, I hope, an origin caliber player this year. And Lane's almost in that same territory as well. So that's a, a nice little slice of cap uh, management right there. Well, when you look at it, like you got the two of them wrapped up for just under a mil. Well, let's, let's say a million just for argument's sake. You know, that's what you're looking at paying David Fafita. Yeah. Well, you got two of them there. That's exactly the sort of contract he's going to get, if not bigger, from a desperate club. You know, I I don't think either of them probably have the the potential cap that David Feta has, but to have two, in my opinion, very good first grade players there for second rowers there, both run great lines, both ball play, um, both fit our team really well. Um, Yeah, fantastic signing. I love Laney. I th- I'm gonna I'm gonna peel uh, peel back the curtain here. I actually thought he wasn't gonna sign, so I had to change my yeah. That, that the tweak is doing his upcoming predictions. Yeah, <laughs> I had to change that because uh, the big lane train signs. I'm 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 stoked, but yeah, that was the only thing. <laughs> signed him. Sorry, I remember just signed him. Talking to Ham, and I said, I don't know. Given this guy two and a half year or three year deal for a guy who's on jumps to club to club, big step, and you're like. I'm happy to be proven wrong. You know, I obviously thought this would come back and buy us in the past. You know, signing to a long deal, but glad he's re-signed. So he wasn't uh, chasing that start for the All Blacks, um, like a certain Mr. Ponger. All right, the other news item. There isn't really too much news going into the season. Um, I don't really want to get into the NRL's promo. Um, I think I've got a outrage fatigue at this point. I just I just want to say, I don't actually give a shit about the politics in the promo. When Wildler said that the 10-year-old was going to steal the show and I heard it and I was like, I was not impressed. I was like, it, it just felt like some random stuff thrown in there. Like, I don't know. The, the acapella, simply the best, didn't do it for me. That's my controversial take. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, my that. controversial take is give a flying beep about Tina Turner's simply the best. <laughs> this this, Could not this, this was the most of all the stuff that we were discussing about. That was the most controversial between everyone that on the pod and um, that was on the Discord and whatnot. Was that did you like simply the best or not? That was the controversial part for us. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, Seriously, I, if you're offended by an Aboriginal man wearing an Aboriginal <laughs> flag or two women who love each other kissing, grow up. Seriously. All right, I said we didn't want to get into it. We got into it. Ah, uh, we'll, sorry, move on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to the next controversial bit was the captain's challenge is being given the go-ahead for round one. Um, now, if you watch the charity Shield, I think we great minds may differ here, um, Ham. Um, I quite like the implementation, um, especially when the, the Dragons call um, against Latrell where he sort of uh, that, had that was straight like through the bread the, basket. That was the showcase like reason as to why you should have it. Um, and it was a fan, like it was perfect for the NRL because it was like, oh wow, it's a you know big call that went and they got it flipped over, and it was great, uh, great captaincy to make the decision there. But I, I feel like, and you'd know from the NFL, Hamish, that I don't know if the NFL, uh, the NRL refs, going to be as arrogant as the NFL refs when it comes to uh, not turning overturning calls. But um, I feel like we're going to be headed towards controversy at some point during the season, 
um, regardless of like which side you're on of the um, captain's challenge thing, it just feels like there's going to be some contentious call that they can't overturn or they won't overturn. So, um, yeah, well, I think the NFL got really wrong this season uh, in the um, pass interference, offensive pass interference, yeah. because they changed pretty much what the interpretation was halfway through the season. And things where people, you know, 99% of the fans were saying, well, that definitely is, and they weren't overturning it. And then six weeks later, they've changed it. It's like when they had, if you remember the um, the shepherd rule a couple of years ago where they were changing it every other week, what the, the interpretation of a shepherd was. Um, but if they're consistent, and I know Todd Greenberg hates that word, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're sort of consistent with it. Um, I, I can see it being good, but I think it's going to be like the giving a try going upstairs, sufficient evidence. Um, you're not going to be happy every time um, with those. I remember I'm still filthy about uh, – Hakun- uh, sorry, um, old mate that went to rugby union. Maroa. Maroa. His uh, try against Penrith uh, round oh, one last yeah, yeah, year that yeah. was taken off him. I thought that was clear. <laughs> um, it was clear that he'd put did, it down. Did he end up, he ended up on the nudie list for that, didn't he? He never never scored last year, did he? No, I think he did score. I did. No, he scored in our final round game against. uh, Well, he scored in the final. Sorry, against the Broncos. That doesn't count. It's not the regulars. No, it does count. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, it's it's going to be one of those where there needs to be sufficient evidence to overrule, and minds may differ on what constitutes sufficient evidence or clear and what what do they call it in the NFL? Clear and obvious, or something like that. Clear, clear and obvious. I think is the terminology. Before before we move on, I just want to say that Ricky Stewart's a liar. Because Hudson Young, <laughs> Hudson Young came out today and admitted that he, because yeah, he was upset at how long he got rubbed out for those two eye gouges, and he admitted to doing them. And Ricky Stewart told everyone that Hudson Young's a good boy and he wouldn't do that. So, <laughs> can, can I just say I'm very flattered that you would say great minds when referring to me? <laughs> no, he said um, he said grape minds. Oh, great! Of course, yeah. yeah, it's more understandable. Yeah, I said olive juice. <laughs> Kurt Gapel. <laughs> okay. Uh, that'll wrap up the news. Uh, he didn't play on the weekend, unfortunately. No. Yeah. Well, I know why as well. There was a big party going on in Sydney. <laughs> um, all right. Junior rep preview. Round five. Oh, uh, for SG Ball, Harold Mass and Tasha Gals. Uh, New Zealand Warriors taking on the Eels 11 a.m. Sunday, 8 March. I don't know what to make of this one. Stadium. This is our first look at the Monte Warriors. Kebe. Yeah. So over in uh, New Zealand. Yeah, um, so the, everything else is at Ringrose and the poor SG poor have to fly international. Yes, yeah, so kicking off the day at Ringrose on Saturday the 7th of March in the Harold Matthews Eels taking on Manly at 10am. Uh, I'm not quite sure how Manly's going at the moment. They, I saw they had a win on the weekend. So um, it's, it's always a grudge match as well in these grades. The players have um, a lot. Ham can attest to this, but the players take this game very seriously. There you are. They're, they're third on the ladder. So they're three wins, one loss. Uh, and they've been scoring some tries and not letting in many. So um, we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Tasha Gales. Eels taking on Newcastle Knights, 11.30am, also on Saturday the 7th of March at Ringrose Park. Fingers crossed they can get off their duck egg and get a win, uh, having one draw so far and three losses. Then to round four for the district reps, uh, which sees in the Andrew Johns Cup, also at Ringrose Park. Eels taking on the Central Coast Roosters at 1pm on that Saturday, 7 March. And then to Laurie Daly Cup, Eels taking on the Central Coast Roosters, 2.30pm, Saturday, 7 March, at Ringrose Park. So a full day at Ringrose Park, but for the SG Ball, who are going over to New Zealand. Can I just um, have one gripe with... Um, you can always have a gripe with New South, New South Wales RL. Yeah, um, it was the same as last week. We've got Andrew Johns, Laurie Daly, you know, will be live-streamed from Ringrose Park, right? We've got Harold Matthews on only a couple of hours beforehand. Just get there a little bit earlier, set up the stream, you can stream all day. They could have done it last week up on the Central Coast. All they had to do was leave. Um, they had it, The Central Coast Roosters were playing up there. Their um, Laurie Dale and Andrew Johns were being live streamed. Just could have just left it on for uh, our game that was up there. Would have been so... Wait, did we... No, but did we play up there? Where was our... We played on the Central Coast this week, wasn't it? Or we played something else. The the uh, the Mats played on the Central Coast this week, yeah. And so did Param- right. Parramatta played in the South Coast or whatever it is with Bigger. 
So why not just keep the cameras rolling? It wouldn't wouldn't cost you anything more. That's all. It's all I ask New South Wales Rugby League. And also reply to me on Twitter because I asked you about future dates because I want to know. That's okay, all, that's my gripe. Yeah, on what really grinds Ham's gears. Yeah. Uh, moving New on. South Wales Rugby League in general just grind. You know, <laughs> there's just one gear just grinding inside of me. We'll move on to season predictions. Birdie, you've got your list of questions. Best signing, worst signing, first player to get their first grade debut. How many players will debut? Highest try scorer, players we will sign, players we won't re-sign. Biggest win, biggest loss, Dally M, final ladder at the end of round 25. A lot of questions to get through. You want to start us through, Birdie? Well, I'm already missing one, so... Um, <laughs> Wing it. Wing it. Okay, so obviously I think the Eels will finish fourth. 32 points, 15 wins. That's one extra in this past season. Best signing, Regan Camagilla. He'll fill the void for Manu. Aggressiveness. Sorry sorry to interrupt. Why are you going in order? <laughs> that really threw me out. What? Did I do something wrong? Don't, don't worry. Keep going. Oh, okay. Worst signing, um, I'm just going back to what we got posted on Discord. Uh, worst signing field, only because he won't make an impact, I think. So it'll probably be useless. Uh, first player debut, Stefano. Ten people to debut. I'm thinking three: Stefano, Dunster, and Davies. Now, if depending on this guy's contract situation, maybe Schneider. I'm, I'm been waiting for Schneider to debut. Apparently, he's the next Cameron Smith. So he, he's a Dev Six player, so he can't debut until after June 30. But unless we get an exemption, but we'd need both. I assume we'd probably uh, Reed and Stoney to go down before they'd grant the exemption, knowing the NRL. It's a pretty, it's a pretty thin margin though, so it's a possibility. Probably Will Smith, too, because he's played dummy half. Yeah, true. True. Good Brown. point, him. Uh, players we won't re-sign, Tacker, and praise the Lord if that happens because I can't watch him play. I just, I've got to cover my eyes. I, I fear the worst. <laughs> um, biggest win, Warriors. Biggest loss, I'm going Raiders just because we can't beat them and we'll get down. We beat them last year, mate. Oh, okay. We can't beat them in Canberra. So I don't know if we play them in Canberra, but we just do. They get, oh, do we? Oh, crap. There you go. <laughs> But like it's just well they imploded in Darwin, but it's just they they always seem to beat us. They always seem to be perfect, have the best completion rate, no penalties, and we just um uh, Daly M, Moses, final ladder. Okay, Storm first, Raiders second, Roosters third, Power fourth, South fifth, Sharks sixth, Manly seventh, Panthers eighth, ninth sorry, Knights and ninth, Broncos tenth, Warriors eleventh, Dragons twelfth, uh, Cowboys thirteenth. Dogs 14th, Titans 15th, and the West Tigers will be 16th and be relocated to Perth. <laughs> Come out. We don't have relegation, we have relocation. That's right. Oh, we, got, really- we got some big stakes um, in the NRL. Well, they can get really. All righty. So I'm, I'm going to – we've got to have some bold predictions at this because I'm going to play safe some other stuff. So to start off a bold prediction, Parramatta coming first, going to take out the JJ Gilton Shield and then, and then win the premiership, do the one-two punch, easy. Wow. Uh, like I said, you got to go big on some predictions. Uh, best signing, I'm going with the fully loaded man, a.k.a. Reg, a.k.a. Reagan Campbell-Gillard. Uh, I think Ryan Madison will be right up there too, but I really like what I've seen from RCG. Oh, I forgot about Maddo. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I Maddo's really, going to be the best signing. <laughs> there you go. Um, I really like what I saw from RCG in his two hitouts, and I, I think that between him and Junior, we have a really awesome starting prop rotation, and... The, the indication that we got from the trial on Saturday is that Brad Arthur is going to lean heavily on them for big minutes. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, worst signing, um, uh, this is a, a technicality here. Uh, I think Brock Lamb was going to go down as a worst signing seeing as he signed for a week and then um, walked off to the Maitland Pickers, whatever it was. So um, aside from that, I think that uh, Jai Field by default would be the worst signing because I think Madison and RCG are going to be very good contributors. Uh, first player to make their debut in 2020, I'm going to go with Hayes Dunster. Between um, suspensions and injuries and origin selections, I think that um, our wingers are probably the most uh, vulnerable position to you know dropping out for a game. And I think that Hayes has done enough to move up the depth for arm um, charts there. And I'm going for four players to debut in 2020. Um, obviously, Hayes aforementioned there. I think Stefano or Toy Kamana will probably get a run at some point. And I assume that Reese Davies, if injuries come knocking, will get a look in at Hooker or Halves. And the other player that has sort of slipped under the radar because he didn't play in the preseason uh, trials. But I think Andrew Davey might be a, a sneaky, decent player this year 
and might um, end up forcing a debut somewhere down the track. Um, highest try scorer, boring answer is Blake Ferguson. The big brain answer is Mitchell Moses. The player will sign. Well, boys, i got some bad news for you. So last two years, can you tell me where we got high-profile recruits from? Penrith. Yep. And uh, what sort of contracts did those players have before they came to Parramatta? Three-year deals? No, four- or five-year contracts. Do you know who the only player at Parramatta with a four- or five-year contract is right now? Oh, good. I thought you were going to say Elijah Taylor. Oh, Nathan Cleary. Nathan Cleary. So the stars are lining up for Nathan Cleary to join the Eels. Oh, I'll stop that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so obviously if that piss take out of the way. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see us recruit someone from Penrith. It seems to be a little bit of a, a pipeline at the moment. Uh, I think there's a couple of players out there that could be pretty handy. Um, uh, Matt bench, Burton, no, bench he, he looked pretty good on the weekend. Yeah, though, uh, so. Burton's a decent young half. Obviously, we don't really need that, but – um, that Hevington's a pretty good um, angry angry forward. I don't mind him. Um, but I think given how loaded our top 13 is, um, assuming that Reed re-signs, you know, knock on wood, we've got our top 13 locked in for next year for the most part, uh, barring maybe Jenko or something retiring. And I think we've got a few of our bench spots already locked up in Marada and, and Oregon and whatnot. Uh, we're probably going to be looking for a, a, like a, a competitive backup option at hooker to go with Schneider alongside, give a bit of depth in the hooking spot. And um, I think... Ham and I will talk about this in the in the pre uh, chat of the podcast, but I think we probably take a flyer on a developmental like a back rower or explosive front rower, similar to what we did with Murata when we got him from the Warriors a few years back. So I, I really couldn't tell you names. That's going to be something I have to keep an eye on or tab on through the season. Just looking at you know fringe NRL guys that could be a, worth a, a throw um throw the dice on. Biggest win. Oh wait, players we won't re-sign. I'm jumping ahead. Um, I think that we're just going to call some of the back-end top 30 guys. Uh, Will Smith, Penny Terepo, George Jennings are the first guys that come to mind. I think Ethan Parry's at a crossroads at Parramatta. I think Hayes Dunst has jumped him in the preseason, and you know we've got a lot of pretty good um, established outside backs. Um, Dave Gower has been going year to year for the last few seasons, but he's, since he's going to be playing until he's 50, so maybe he's going to stay around for another year. Uh, biggest win's easy because we do it to him every year, Broncos. So round 20 by about a million points. Uh, biggest loss is also easy because they do it to us every year, the Melbourne Storm, round 10 by half a million points. Um, although I do, in a sense, like serious now, I do hope that we actually improve significantly against Melbourne because there is a mental block there, I think, in the roster. And we saw, even though there were, I think we took steps in that Amy Park final, as weird as it sounds, only, only losing 32-0 instead of getting blown out to 50, um, this is the year we really need to uh, put that aside and, and knock Melbourne off in their hometown. Uh, Dally M, my para pick there is going to be Mitch Moses because I think the media narrative is in his favour. And that's a big part of winning the Dally M is having the media in your corner and, and um, sort of monopolising the vote from that. Um, he's got Andrew Johns backing him and he's got Brad Fittler backing him. And I think that goes a long way in the media. I think the NRL pick is for James Tedesco to go back to back with the Dally M's. He's another player that's going to be very popular with those sort of narratives. And now the final ladder. God, this is hard. Um, I think the top sort of five or six are fairly reasonable to pick. There's a couple of different teams you could slot in at the end, but it's a mess after that. So I tip Parramatta to come first. That was at the start. Then I'm going to go top four with Roosters, Storm and Raiders. So the sort of four big contenders there, uh, followed by the Panthers sneaking in the fifth with Manly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I liked what I saw out of Penrith on Saturday. And if they can stay healthy or not be ravaged by injuries as much as they already are, I think they'll be relatively decent. Um, but yeah, rounding out the top eight with Manly, South Sydney and Newcastle to finally do something after flopping around for a few years. Um, had to put the West Tigers in at ninth because that's where they belong. Um, followed by the Bulldogs, Broncos and Cowboys. The bottom four being Cronulla, New Zealand, the Gold Coast Titans and St. George to win the spoon for Mary. Cronulla? Yeah, I don't know what they make. They don't make the Cronulla. They've just got a weird roster. Right, it's it's, it's a churned over roster at the moment. It's sort of the between, yeah, you and, know, the old boys, and they've just injected and, the youth. But and that, we haven't that's really a, seen them. such a volatile environment. They can either overperform or they can just crash. So I'm tipping them to crash a bit. Yeah, and plus they're playing out of um, not Wollongong, the oh, other stadium. That's right. Yeah, oh, that, right. actually, that that it was completely over my head as far as um important season narratives there that they lost their stadium. Yeah. All right, quick game's a good game. Where these will finish second? Best signing: Ryan Madison. Worst signing: Not available. First player to make their first grade debut, Hayes Dunster. How many players to debut? Two. Hayes Dunster, Andrew Davey. Highest try scorer, Wanga Blake. Player we will sign, a young second rower, a la Maratania Kore. I don't have a name for you at the moment. 
player we won't re-sign, Hayes Dunster. Again, at 40 said, there could be a boatload of them, but I think the one that will be promising is Hayes Dunster. Biggest win is 53-4 to versus the Tigers in round five. Biggest loss is 34-14 to versus the Roosters. Uh, I know we only play them once. So they'll be it's our home front. stadium. Yeah, it's, it's Melbourne Roosters back-to-back, I think. So that's a huge, huge stretch for us there. Dally M, and I am going to kill myself saying this, but it's going to be Cameron Smith. And you want to talk about... Uh, yeah, I know. You want to talk about being in the media and everything? That I mean, we I did mention media here. narratives. That's a huge aspect of it, and that's a good pick for that reason. Does his wife get a medal as well? <laughs> yes. She gets two. She gets, yeah. She gets the um, platinum. She gets the replica medal and the diamond necklace after. <laughs> I hope it's not a pearl necklace. Um, but, yeah, I just think his last year, Melbourne are going to win 60% of their games. No, no one's going to take points off him. So the only time he won't – well, even when they lose, he's probably going to get a, a point. So it's going, to, it's going to be Cameron Smith. We might as well resign ourselves to the fact that he will be the Dalian Player of the Year in 2020. Okay, and the final – Ladder. The end of round 25 will be first, Storm. Second, the Eels. Hey. Third, the Roosters. Fourth, the Raiders. Fifth, South Sydney. Sixth, the Seagulls. Seventh, the Knights. Eighth, the Sharks. Ninth, the Warriors. Tenth, the Broncos. Eleventh, Penrith. Twelfth, Cowboys. Thirteenth, the Dragons. Fourteenth, the Titans. Fifteenth, the Bulldogs. And finally, rounding that all out is the hapless Tigers. My man. The West's Tigers. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) My man. My man. It's on to me. On to me. What's the big boss guy? Mines have differed on on the the ladder a a fair bit, so I'm liking that. Uh, Now, Ham, did me and you uh, exchange notes before uh, coming on air about these predictions? Mate, grape mines. Great minds. <laughs> Great minds. They think a lot. I've got a fair few that I thought were were good um, picks, but you, you've already flown in. Um, where the Eels will finish fourth. Uh, sorry, third, third, third. Best signing, Ryan Madison. I remembered that we signed Madison. Worst signing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think everybody's going to be a good signing. So the default there, probably Lamb because he's already left as 40 <laughs> touched on. Uh, first player to get their first grade debut. I'm hitting Davey when he comes in for Madison at origin time. How many players to debut? Two. Again, same players as Ham, Davey and Hayes Dunster. Double Highest days. try scorer. Walker Blake, I was in there as well. Um, yeah. You snaked me. Uh, player <laughs> we will sign. Um I think we're going to look for, as Forty touched on, some second row depth. Uh, so whoever steps up uh, in some other teams, I wouldn't be surprised if we uh, have a look um, around for some more second rowers. Um, I can't really see who's, who's good and who's junior. Yeah, who's that, off contract. That, that's something we have to just watch for the season, isn't it? Because obviously the club would have a better idea, but as, as fans, it's kind of hard to tell at this point. And then players we won't re-sign, I think we've touched on most of them all now. Will Smith, Takarangi, Terrapo, uh, Parry, um, Gower. I don't think he'll go around again. Uh, Andrew Davey might not be a re-sign, depending on how he backs up the uh, last season. I know he was only one-year deal last year. I think he's on another one-year deal That's this year. That's right, yeah. Uh, biggest win, round eight against the Warriors. That's the uh, round up at Suncorp Stadium. Mm. Uh, biggest lost against the Storm in round 10. That's their home game. Daliam, Mitch Moses, uh, it's his year. I really liked what I saw in the trial and what he's done in pre-season and the off-season. Uh, he's put on a couple of kegs uh, to, to line up in defence. And from that trial, I didn't touch on it, but it was in your Whiskey Musings 40, uh, the defensive work. He was going out, he was pressuring mm. kickers, um, and that's apart from what he was doing on the ball, which that chip and chase, Cleary tried it twice to no avail. And, Mitch and then Mitch Moses done, said, show me how it's, uh, I'll show you how it's done. Uh, final ladder. Now, I agree with you guys. It's pretty difficult, and there's always a bit of churn, so I've factored that in. Number one, Storm. Number two, Roosters. Number three, Eels. Fourth is the Bunnies. I think I'm the only one that's sort of still high on the Bunnies. I really like their depth that I saw in their um, reserve grade squad. I thought they were very difficult when we came up against them in the trial, and also really difficult um, when they swamped uh, the Dragons in that second half of the charity shield. Yeah, I think uh, their, their Reggie squad's awesome. Just I think that their first-grade team 
is, I don't know, I can't put my finger on it, but I think they're good but not great, if you know what I mean. You know what it is? It's the forward pack no longer suits Cook. That's true. That's a good point. That's true. That but I think Cook's point. getting a bit smarter about when he's when he's ducking out. Um, yeah, he's he, getting a bit he better. Had, he had to adapt to that off. because obviously he's got elite speed, but the NRL was clawing into it, right? Exactly. Um, and I, I just, I know there's a thousand and one articles about Wayne losing his aura, but I still He's one of the best coaches that has ever lived, and you can see that even if it is only trial form, that they're a well-drilled, well-coached side. Uh, number five, Raiders. I think they're going to drop off a little bit um, under Ricky, and plus they've got some injuries to start the season. Number six, Broncos. They're always thereabouts. They've got the Suncorp advantage. Seven, Newcastle. They're going to put it together. They've got some good coaching, um, even though it was only against a backup uh, Roosters side. They towed them up, and the week before, they towed up the Tigers as well. Um, not having Nathan Brown around, I think they're going to thrive with some coaches that actually know what the hell they're doing. And just on that, Nathan Brown apparently has gone over to the Warriors to be a hooker's coach. I was listening on, um, uh, what's that podcast? The um, Boom Rookies one last night. So uh, that might feed into who I think is going to get the spoon. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Number eight, Cowboys. I like that combination I saw from Morgan and um, Val Holmes um, the other night. I just think they've got a bit more speed in the outside backs. Um, and they won't be as uh, boring as they have been season past. Nine, Panthers, youth, turnover, don't know what they're going to do. Manly, 10th, I don't like their depth. Um, That's the big knock on them, isn't it? A couple injuries and they're in trouble. 11, Sharks, as 40 touched on, roster turnover, plus playing out at Cogro as opposed to Shark Park for the next two seasons. 12, Bulldogs, they don't have the talent, but they're tenacious. They're, they're not going to beat themselves. 13 Tigers, again, I don't like some of their signings. 14 Dragons, Mary McGregor, what more do you have to say? 15 Titans, um, they'll get better with coaching, but I'd, again, the squad. And last, Warriors. Hmm. Uh, the amount of injuries they've started off with. That, that injury ward is insane. That's a good point, and it's worth it's worth that like ranking in there for sure. Um, they're talking about moving some players around, so they're moving uh, uh uh, Fusatua from wing to centre, apparently. Um, so they've gone from having one of the best back threes to uh, I don't know what the hell they're doing. And plus, I don't rate uh, Kearney. And he's under pressure to keep his job this year. I think he's going to screw it up. And it's going to be like that season we had where there'll be a lot of close losses, but he just won't be able to get the job done. And even mm-hmm. RTS won't be able to carry them. And they don't have a hooker either, given they've moved on from Isaac Luke. So... Um, that's my 16. And then there was one question that was a late addition, uh, preferred 17. I think we're all pretty close on this, but we'll go through it again. At the back, you've got Gutherson on the wings, Sivo and Fergo. In the centres, Wonga Blake and uh, our other centre, Michael Jennings, of course. Mm-hmm. In the halves, Dylan Brown, Mitch Moses. Our starting props, I think I've gone from Kane Evans to now that seems to be he's going to be on the bench. So it'll be uh, Junior and... Um, Regan Campbell-Gillard at nine, Reed Marnie. The second rowers and Locke pick themselves in Madison, Lane, and Nathan Brown. And then the bench is where it gets interesting. I'm going for 14 of Stone. I think everybody here pretty much agrees with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other bench players would be Hakuna Murata, of course. Birdie, you're not disputing that one? No, he, he'd be our best bench Kane Evans. Yep. Yeah. And Oregon Kafusi is yep. who I'd like to see there. That, that is the four-man bench rotation I would like to see come round one. Yeah. But I if think not, what it will be is going to be instead of Stone, Takarangi, mm-hmm. and oh. instead of Oregon, Penny. Most likely, oh, yeah. come on, man. Seriously. Have <laughs> this. We, we pitch it to Brad Arthur. Brad Arthur, mate. We're no longer the Winnie Magpies. We're in a Parramatta Reserve team, and we need elite players like Takarangi and Penis Hand. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bertie. If, if, get on the soapbox, Bertie. That 17 spot, I'd like to, even if it's Alvaro, I'm pretty happy with as long as it's not Penny. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Alvaro's stock seemed to have um, dropped. Yeah, he came on in the 70th minute or 68th minute or something like that against the Panthers. Is he is he carrying something? Maybe, yeah, maybe I, it was I a load manager thing. But, no pressure. Oh, they also probably want to see what they got with Oregon and Stefano, too, to be fair. They can only fit so many props on the field. And with um with Reg and um Junior getting that big second stint, it sort of ate into yeah. their to the amount of rotation you could give to all, all the props. 
And I think that'll wrap up. We've given the predictions um, pretty in-depth there. Uh, we've got one more week until footy. So as of this coming out will be Wednesday. And then what have you got? A week until you get the next podcast and then one more sleep and it'll be kickoff. Um, 8.05 kickoff out at Bankwest. If you're not there, what are you doing? You're a square. Buy tickets. Or just be a member. Or either or. Birdie, what have you been doing? Antagonizing West fans? No, actually, um, I've actually, besides the trial, I haven't been paying attention much to league. I've been more about the NFL Combine. It was a shit yeah. Combine this year. It's more, it's, they want to bloody, um, the NFL want to, what's the word, monopolize it, whatever. They they switch some certain drills. Yeah. Boost, um, primetime TV, like the 40-yard dash. You know, everyone expected a certain player, Henry Ruggs, to go, you know, break John Ross's record. He didn't. <laughs> Over this preseason, I've had my heart. It's like when Tua came out, City as a cowboy, I'm like, let's, let's just trade everyone, get him. <laughs> and, then, and then when Jeffrey Kuda said, oh, my family's a cowboy fan, I'm like, you know what? Forget Tua. Let's just trade for him. <laughs> but, um, after the combine, that Isaiah Simmons, man. oh, he, Simmons he, blew he, it up. Wow. Yeah. The problem is, where are you going to play him? He can play linebacker, cornerback. I think you, you play him as linebacker, situational pass rusher, pass rusher. Like he's just, what a superstar athlete he is. Wow. And then you have um, the biggest man in the draft. He's like 6'6", 370 pounds. The guard, Miko, Miko Tony, whatever, he ran a 4'7". Four, four yeah, some of, the, some of the big boys, the O-line and D-line guys ran all right. I ran a 40-yard dash in like 4.7 seconds. He's like huge. It's like, you say Miko Tony? He used to play for Parramatta and Harold Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, other than that, nothing uh, really happened. Like that's that's it for the Europeans on like international force. I don't know. Yeah, been quite on Twitter actually. Talking about toilet paper today and how the stock rise is better than Bitcoin. <laughs> well, I was in Woolies today and it just it was stripped down. It's insane. Yeah, I went to Costco and there was no toilet paper. You could only get 120 pallets or something like that. You could only get two bottles of milk per person per transaction. Wow. Like that's insane. That is crazy. People are. The coronavirus hysteria, huh? Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. You know, if, if my dog has taught me anything, if I ever run out of toilet paper, I'm just going to rub my bum. Jock knows what's up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just rub my bum. Not on the carpet. I'll go, I'm going to be, you know, decent and go outside and rub it on the grass, dog style, <laughs> scrape my bum on the ground. I think everyone should grow a pair and do that instead of buying thousands and thousands of dollars worth of toilet paper. Go get yourself a bidet, 40. Um, <laughs> so just watching the NFL CBA stuff play out, so the, the players and the owners are still far apart in what they want to do, so that's interesting to see wherever it leads to a, a player walkout or lockout. Uh, in the NBA, Zion Williamson's tearing it up. He's absolutely – he defies the laws of physics. I don't know if anyone's seen him, but he's like 300 – he's officially 295 pounds, but he's unofficially like 315 or something like that, and he just he, – he flies through the air. It's ridiculous. Um, spring the spring uh, training for baseball is rolling on, so we're getting close to opening day there. So it's going to be fun. But um, my big attention this week, and not likely an invitation on the podcast to lay the boot into the Tigers. But I got to say, how are you going to be going out and signing a young superstar fullback as you bill him, <laughs> and then and then put him on the bench, man? Like, what's going on there? Like, I, Corey Thompson is a, is a, actually a, like a really good NRL player, and he plays well above his size, well above his weight, and all that sort of stuff. And I respect that. But, you know, Adam Dewey was meant to be the guy for the Tigers, like the missing piece sort of deal, and now he's playing well, on the bench. That's the thing. You know, train Corey Thompson up to be a dummy half. That way you've got a really good utility off the bench. Exactly. He can play anywhere in the back line. He can probably fill in the halves just as a, a, a game. Imagine. And pop him in a hooker, and he'd be a fantastic – he'd be a really Imagine good if utility. in 2017 when we got Moses midseason from the Tigers, we said, oh, you know what? You're going to play off the bench. Like, yeah. Seriously. I'm playing Matt off the bench this year. Like, yeah, it's similar to that as well. You go out and get Madison. And you know what? It'd be like playing Madison off the bench and putting David Gower in the start. Yeah, team. exactly. That's, that, that, like. that, that's the other side of the coin is that, you know, you've obviously got Dewey not playing and then you've got someone else in his spot. That's a good point here. So him. Sorry to get really political here, um, but I was getting a pork roll the other day and someone in front of me didn't get coriander on it. <sighs> Rookie, rookie move, rookie move. Just you know, if you get if you're going for the pork roll experience, you have to have coriander. 
and you have to have chili too. I'm sorry to chili soy you know, sauce again, not to be political, but got to have chili. Got to have the whole experience. Sweet chili flavors in your mouth. No, no, no. I like actually chopped chili? up chopped up chili bits. Just regular chili. Just and yeah, I'm I'm sorry to you know drag the podcast in that direction, and our listeners don't listen for me to, ranting about political ideas. But coriander and chili on your pork roll are absolute must-haves. Mm-hmm. Right, well, I'll finish this off. <laughs> I want to hit three things. The first one is, has anybody tried the Milo refill? What is a Milo refill? So instead of buying a new tin, they've got plastic packets where you refill up the tin that you've already got. Is that meant to be environmentally friendly? Apparently. It's safer than, you know, producing the tin. That, it's so- different, man. It's too powdery. It's like they change the you know formula. How you get the Milo and you get like the the granules in it as well, like yeah, the, hard yeah stuff. the chunks. That's yeah. right. You don't get the chunks in this oh, stuff. Oh, I don't know. It's just too powdery. That's disheartening. So it's be, like be wary. So it's Nesquik. It, yeah, it's sort of like that that sort of form. It's not that powdery, but it's close to. It's not. It's not the regular Milo stuff. Where number Again, we two get political. <laughs> that's un-Australian. Man, that's un-Australian. Like, come on. It's un-Australian. I'm a Commodore. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, but number two, boss man. Number two, Liam Marshall, chip and chase out of your own 20 for <laughs> that a full was good. try. Yeah. Fantastic effort. Super League or no Super League, that was great vision and awesome speed. Love to see it. Love to see it. Third, to get political and to invoke the Chinese bots, uh, Sun Yang, doping cheat. Uh, <laughs> Finer, you are an absolute disgrace um, that you didn't rub this bloke out six years ago uh, when he was done for, for doping. Um so glad that WADA has upheld, uh, well, sorry, has overturned Finer's findings and um, banned this drug cheat for eight years. Now, there still is, I think, a further round of um, uh, he can uh, appeal this decision. They should strip um, his titles as well. Somewhere everything, else. Everything uh, won. It should become off him. Yeah, but if you look into the facts of this case, it was off uh, season testing and they took the drug files, uh, properly accredited, uh, accredited wider officials, um, and he got his offsiders to smash the glass vial so they uh, couldn't take those them away, and then gave some bullshit story about them not being properly accredited, and they didn't deal with him um, as they should have. It's absolute garbage. He's a drug cheat, always has been a drug cheat, and Australian swimming needs to do more to stand up for Mac Horton, who took a very yeah, um, brave stand um, against this drug cheat. That's right, and he copped a lot of shit from China for it. And I can see the Chinese bots are out. They're out in force on Twitter. <laughs> I was going to say, you've done us a great service here. If if we, if we want to sell some ad space, because we're going to get <laughs> like 100 million viewers from just listeners just from this podcast. So, no, we're going to start selling ad space and all these – we're going to break into it. If you want to break into a new market, you know, selling that space for the for the Chinese. Yeah, probably not what they want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to listen. That's the main thing. And um, I said we'll wrap it up there. So keep sport clean. Uh, keep scoring crazy good tries. And don't buy the uh, refill powdery Milo crap. That's right. Keep and it real. make sure you have coriander and chilli on your pork rolls. Too easy. Well, we'll catch you on the next pair of podcasts. We're getting close. What are we, 10 days away? Yeah. And, um, yeah. The hardest-hitting so rugby league podcast in the world. We take on the big issues. Enjoy your families this weekend because you won't be seeing them for the next <laughs> six months. <laughs> Adios, boys. Sounded a bit like Liam Neeson right there for a sec. <laughs> <laughs> Catch you on the next Power Podcast, you. guys. Smell you later. And just one last thing that I failed to mention before, but the uh, NRL tipping and fantasy links will go up shortly. We're looking at doing the draft in the NRL fantasy this Friday at 7.30, followed by the Supercoach draft at 8.30. Links will be in the show notes, and I'll pop them up on Twitter and Facebook in the next day or so. Um, So there's only 16 spots available in each of those fantasy leagues, but the other two leagues are... Um, just the classic for Supercoach and Fantasy, which will be open to everybody who wants in and also open for everybody who wants to join in the tipping. Cheers. Bye.